Today, uh, we're going to continue in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we're going to read all of Mark, for, I'm going to read all of Mark 14. Uh, there are 72 verses. Yes, that's correct. Seven, two verses. Um, so you don't normally hear this long of a reading of Scripture in front of you. It's a good thing. Um, it's a good thing for us to hear the whole stretch of the, of the narrative like this. <clears throat> so however you need to do to help you listen, do that thing, adjust your seat, settle in. You can read above. You can read your own text, whatever would be most helpful for you. Mark 14. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in this whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he'll show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. <clears throat> it would have been better for that man if he would not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day, when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will fall, all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. 
But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It's enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they lay hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth around his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. And they led Jesus to the high priests, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking a testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found None. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, what further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You are also with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I never knew nor understand what you mean. 
And he went out into the gateway. The rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystander, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders came and said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But again to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Father, we thank you for your words spoken to us. God, we thank you that we have these words from our brother Mark. And they're not just his words yours. I pray that your Holy Spirit would make us able to listen, able to see what he describes, and able to respond like we should. Help us to love you, Jesus, like you should, should be loved. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there, there are three chapters left in the Gospel of Mark, and um, there's, there's no secrets left. You know what's coming. You know what's happening. The Gospel of Mark in this chapter, in chapter 14, is going to clarify this question of discipleship. This has been one of Mark's themes the whole time, what it means to really be a disciple, what it means to really follow Jesus. And you're going to be presented one question through the responses of several people. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with him? Because this stretch of the story is really so much about other people's response to Jesus and how they handle him and what they do with him. There's several options for you. The first is betrayal. Judas is one of the 12. The other gospels will tell us that he is sort of the, the money keeper, the treasurer for however much money they had at any given time. He's also a thief. And he hears and sees this costly response to Jesus. And something about that seems to trigger him and to taking this final act of betrayal against Jesus. We don't know a lot about Judas's inner life. We just don't. There is, after the Bible is written, there's lots of speculation and stories after the fact to try to explain what is going on. We don't, we don't know. He handles money. He steals money. And he will betray Jesus for money. It is it's entirely possible that for, for him it is all about money. Maybe he is invested in one of the other causes that are in Jerusalem that day, that week, those decades. Maybe he, he wanted Jesus to move into Jerusalem and take that final step that many other people were hoping, that he would tear down the temple. You just don't know. 
We do know the money, though. He betrays Jesus for profit. And you will have the same opportunity. If you will see this Jesus, and you say you want to follow him, I can promise you that at some point you will have the opportunity to betray him for your own personal profit. It is highly unlikely that somebody will offer you silver for it. It is highly unlikely that somebody is going to hand you a bag of cash and say, just hold this for us, and you will be tempted to finger some bills out every once in a while. It probably won't look like that. But you will have the opportunity to further your own ends by betraying who Jesus is. It can look like ethical compromise. It can look like social gain. It can look like any number of things. But you will be able to enrich yourself by turning away from Jesus. Betrayal is always on the table for the people who follow Jesus. It feels entirely shocking as you read the Gospels that one of the 12, Jesus has a bunch of disciples. He has more than 12. He has just dozens and dozens of people that follow him. The, the 12 are the inner, inner sanctum, his closest friends. And it feels shocking that one of those 12 would be the ones that would betray. But betrayal is in the heart of every one of us. The hunger for profit, for gain, is in every one of us. In many ways, maybe the surprise is that there was only one. Maybe, maybe the surprise for me and for you is if you haven't betrayed Jesus. Your betrayal probably isn't going to be written about in a, in a piece of writing that millions of people will read for centuries and centuries. The, the sneaky thing about the betrayal that you will be offered is that it's, it's incredibly likely that nobody will see, that nobody will remember. But what Mark is going to say to you is, your betrayal will matter. And the, a true disciple will steer away from betrayal and remain faithful. Betrayal is one thing that you can do with Jesus. The other thing that you are offered as a possibility, is abandonment. And betrayal and abandonment are not the exact same thing. Peter and Judas are not the same in how they deal with Jesus. Abandonment is a kind of betrayal. It feels like betrayal. If you've been abandoned, you know that it feels like betrayal. But Peter's motivations seem to be different than Judas's. From everything that we know about Judas and everything we know about Peter, Peter is not animated by profit as much as protection. He is afraid. He is afraid of what will happen to him. He is afraid of what will come of him identifying with Jesus. He is unfortunately down south in Jerusalem. He is from up north in Galilee, and everybody can hear his accent very clearly, they, they can pick him out as being from up where Jesus is from. And they are in the courtyard of power. 
I mean, to Peter's credit, he's at least gone here. <laughs> he's followed the, the crowd to where Jesus has been taken. It seems like he's the only one, to Peter's credit. But all of a sudden, as happens previously in Peter's life, the moment kind of catches up with him. He is very aware of his surroundings. He knows he's in the courtyard of the high priest. And the question comes to him, aren't you with Jesus? And he says, no. And in a, in a very clear testimony of cowardice, he gets a second chance and a third chance, and he fails, just like Jesus told him he would. And the moment comes, and remember, we believe that Mark is writing this gospel as the testimony of Peter. This is, in a sense, Peter's own self-disclosure. That when that rooster crows that second time, he remembers what Jesus said about him. And he loses it. He breaks down and he weeps at what he's done. Because he has abandoned his, his master, his rabbi, his friend, to protect himself. And you will be offered the same choice. Mark is very clear about what the nature of a life of discipleship looks like. And he's not going to tell you, if you follow Jesus, everything will be fine. You will be safe. You will be well-liked. You will be popular. And you will have everything that you could ever want. He's saying quite the opposite. He's saying, you will have the chance to protect yourself. Because if you follow Jesus, it will cost you. It could even endanger you. And again... I don't anticipate that any of us in this room are going to face the fear that Peter faces. I, don't, I think Peter is legitimately afraid for his life. Things are going badly for Jesus in the hands of power. He, he knows what they want to do with Jesus. It is a fair conclusion to think that they might want to do the same thing to him. He, he might be afraid for his life. And I, I sincerely doubt that you will face that kind of fear in this place and time where we live. But you will face other costs. You will face the pain of following Jesus and being associated with him. And in some sense, this should prepare you. Many of us have grown up in, in places and times where we just assumed it shouldn't cost us anything to follow Jesus. And it feels scary that the world might now extract social costs from you if you follow Jesus. But, but the first scenario where there's no cost, where you don't have to be afraid of anything to follow Jesus, that's a fantasy land. That's not the real world. That's not the real of Christian history. It's not the history of our people and it's not the scriptural witness. And fantasy time is over. If you follow Jesus, it may cost you something. And you can protect yourself by abandoning Jesus. It works. Say what you want about Peter. His denial works because he's safe. 
Nobody throws him in prison. Nobody extracts any kind of cost from him. The helpful thing is that Peter can provide you with an immediate evaluation of his safety. And he is so distraught because he knows that he's won something for himself that he now hates. He thought that what he needed most in that moment was safety. But when you abandon Jesus, when you abandon the way of Jesus, you lose something precious. You can abandon Jesus. You can betray Jesus. But there is another option. There is a disciple in this chapter that shows you a different way. That is the opposite of both Peter and Judas. Right at the beginning of the story is this unnamed woman. Probably, probably we're meant to know this is Mary of Bethany. John and Luke will tell this story and name her as, as Mary. Uh, this family is a dear dear friend of Jesus. And Mary expresses her total disregard for profit. This thing that she breaks open. When she breaks it open, it's done. There's no more putting a lid on it and keeping what's left. It is a complete waste. It's worth about a year's wages. She's a woman. She doesn't have a wage, almost definitely. There's a good chance that what she is breaking open and expending on Jesus is a family heirloom. It's not even something that she was able to purchase or would ever be able to purchase. She cracks it open and wastes the whole thing on Jesus. And everybody in the room knows how shocking this is. And here she, she shows you that so she does not care about protecting herself any more than she cares about profiting either. Because she is a disciple who sees the value of who Jesus really is and breaks open her life and offering to him. She loves him. And Jesus loves her. Because the, the people, they, they want to, to levy a cost at her. They want, they want to sort of expose the audacity of what she's done. And Jesus recognizes this for, for exactly what it is. It's an expression of her love. And Jesus gives a prophecy that today we are fulfilling... He says, wherever the gospel is told, this woman's story will be remembered. And here you are hearing of her once more. Because Mary of Bethany, in this moment, is exemplifying discipleship. She recognizes who Jesus is, his great worth. And she says, I'll give everything I have to him as a gift. Because beforehand, she sees the, the kind and quality of person that he is. Because Jesus will break bread and pour wine and tell the people ahead of time, this 
is my body for you. Jesus seems totally uninterested in profit or protection himself for the sake of his people. He'll offer his own body and his own blood. And he'll say, do this, take this, reenact this, remember this into your own body again and again. Because this is for you, me, for you. And when you see him go into the garden, you see him go into Gethsemane, Jesus can feel the very thing that will pull Peter off of the path of discipleship. Jesus himself does not want this thing. He pleads with his father, if there is some other way, let's do that. But not for the sake of my own protection. Your will, not my will. And Jesus goes into the place of abandonment. Jesus willingly walks in to the, the place where he is deserted, betrayed, abandoned. He is stripped naked, accused falsely. Because he loves you. That's it. He, only, he does this entirely because he loves you. And he loves people like Mary who see who he really is and offers the, all the extravagance of their life and devotion. But the thing is, he loves people like Peter too. And here's the truth. The odds are you are not Mary or Judas or Peter. You're probably all of them. It would be nice to be able to read Mark chapter 14 and say, I'm going to pick the lane that I want to be in. And because you're smart people, you don't pick the Judas lane or the Peter lane. You pick the Mary lane. But that is an entirely overly optimistic view of ourselves. The truth is that at various times you will recognize Jesus for who he is. You will betray Jesus for your own profit and you will abandon him for your own protection. And it is for you that Jesus offered his body and his blood. He knew who Peter was when he called Peter. He knew Judas when he called Judas. And he knows you. And if you are not an entirely successful follower of Jesus, if you are bumbling around and motivated by fear and by personal gain, and sometimes by the most beautiful and true things in your life, you are exactly the kind of person who ends up following Jesus. And you are the exact kind of person who Jesus needed to die for and who he was willing to die for and whom Jesus will continue to call his friends. And when you read Mark chapter 14, you are not meant to make some sort of pledge 
from now on, I'm going to do much better. I'm going to be married. From now on, I will definitely be able to resist my own craving for safety. And I'll be able to do this. Because this story is not about Mary or Judas or Peter. And my story is not about me. This story is about Jesus. Jesus is the hero. Jesus is my hero. Jesus wants to be your hero. You are a hit and miss at best kind of person. And Jesus loves you. He loves you. It's you that he's praying for. It's you that he broke out his life for. And it's for you that he still invites to his table. It's you that he came for. Not because you can heroically trade your obedience for him, but because you never could. He came to save you because you're a mess. He, he came to save you because you're the kind of person who would see the Son of God and exchange him for profit and exchange him for protection. You need him. And he offers you all of himself. If you think Mary's gift was generous, you need to look at Jesus. Because what he offers is far more costly. And he will never run out for you. And the surprising story of the gospel is that you are not the centerpiece who anoints Jesus with your love. He is the one who will offer his own life, his own very spirit to anoint you with as an act of his love for his people. Today, if you know that you have rejected and fallen far away from God, Jesus has come for you. He loves you. He knows the depth of your failure. He knows the tears you would weep and regret. And he would call you his friend today. And if you're here today, you've never followed Jesus. Look, this, I don't know how, how much clearer and truer I can say it. The people in this room that are his people, they're losers like Peter. This is not the company of the most moral. This is a collection of people who recognize their own fragility and their own need. You cannot protect yourself to the degree that you crave, nor can you gain for yourself the thing that you most desire. But Jesus will come and give you far more than you could ask or imagine. And he will tell you the whole world may abandon you, but I will never leave you or forsake you, even until the end of the age.
today, if you have never followed Jesus before, come and follow him. He will follow you and stalk you through all of your wanderings away until you rest with him at home and you're entirely healed of all your cravings and fears and you're his holy and complete one. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart because the heart of God is soft towards you now and forever. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for these words of life. We are people who have done well and done poorly. We've gotten it right and gotten it wrong. Our track record is spotty at best. We are still surprised by your love for us, for your people. We want to be your disciples. God, we don't, we don't want to be people who would turn you in for profit or abandon you for safety. And Father, I pray for everyone in this room who feels the weight of guilt because they really have done, done wrong. They've cheated you cheaply and exchanged you for comfort. It's a terrible, terrible feeling. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to turn around and come home. Father, I pray for anyone who's in the room who has never seen what Mary saw. I pray that today you would open their eyes and you would show them what a life of discipleship looks like, a life of following after Jesus is animated by a glimpse of the beauty of who you are, the beauty of your love for your people. Help us all to see that more clearly. For people who are here today who have never responded to that, God, I pray that they would know that today is for them, that today you've come for them, and even they can come home too. Jesus, thank you for your great love for your people. We pray that you would be loved with our whole lives in increasing fashion until the whole world is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.